All right, everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason. I am here with Brian, Tommy, and Caleb. And we wanted to pick up where we left off in the last episode, talking about um, a few things that have to do with our mindset, especially when it relates to facing adversity. Now, there's there's three main things we're going to hit here. We're going to talk about your mindset. We're going to talk about forces that are subjected to your position and forces that desire your position and how this relates to the adversity that every single one of us faces. And I don't care what area of life you're focused on right now. These things come after you. Now, there was a quote from last week that I do not remember. Brian, do you have that quote about rising to the level or falling to the level of our training? Yes. On the Navy SEALs opening slide for their training, and I'm going to probably not say this Greek name right, it's Arch Archilochus. But he said, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. What you just introed with, and then if we take a look at what that quote is, the question is, why don't we train? Maybe not why we don't train, but what is the, the holdup of wanting to give ourselves to something that would prepare our platform, prepare our foundations that in going forward with life? Because we have been taught to dream big. Um, even in church world, our world, have a dream. Anybody could be anything that they want to be if you dream big enough. And that actually just is not true. It's There's a, a truth in it, but it's not true. The truth is you can't really be anything you want to be, but you won't go further than where you're at if you don't set your expectation and your dreams much higher than where you're at. So something has to pull you forward. There has to be a hope into something bigger. But then there has to be a platform of training of some kind of action that corresponds with where you're going. And that's where we're going to be talking about those three areas and mindsets. Even as a Christian, we believe that we are become children of God, that we become heirs of God when you're born again. And so there's a position there. And God, throughout Scripture, he called and told the person who they were before they actually did the thing. So he told them what they were, and they grew into that. And there was like this training he did with them, but he constantly kept in the foresight, this is what you are. And it's like, he built them. They're at a lower point. He's at the high point. He tells them what they are. And then he, he grows them into the definition of what they are. So there's this training that goes on. And so how do we be deliberate about that? So in this, our lack of training and development of ourselves and what to focus on and what to develop in has led to a disconnect and a lack of appreciation for what we actually have. So we actually don't utilize what's been given to us because we don't know how to train in it. And there's a lot of ma many factors in that. And part of it is just how we educate Christians. We educate them in a system that is actually the least functional for education. And then we expect them to go out with these gifts and do something. And so there's this hard line that I kind of want to take a shift on and how we can look at this differently. Because if you've been given something and you don't know how to use it, or you've never been able to put it into an arena to be tested, you're never going to see the benefit of it. And you're going to just have false dreams and disappointment and disappointment and disappointment. But when you can get a hold of that and you can actually utilize what's been given to us and utilize our mind and utilize um, the tools and the principles that will take us into another, another place in life and take what God has put into our hearts and to bring it out, 
we'll know what to do and we'll have the stamina, the courage and the fortitude to get there. And we kind of talked about this a little bit on the last podcast of how to create small habits and different areas of how to develop. But I don't know if we know what to develop and maybe we could talk about as well what has been the biggest hang up uh, for us personally from moving forward, because I think we need more tangibles to connect to versus ideas. I guess the biggest thing that would be a hang up to me is having a, a tangible strategy or a tangible action to, to, to take that's, that's bite size that I could do in a chunk. That's not this massive grand scheme of something to be done. Um, I don't know, for example, of like reading a book or <laughs> reading the Bible or learning how to pray. Um, I lack the the finding of something that's bite-sized that I can actually do every day. The thing it's been for me historically is, and and not everyone's going to relate to this, so <clears throat> because everybody's a little bit different, everyone's special in their own way. I don't mean that. But the biggest thing historically for me is that when there's when there's something on my mind or on my heart to do, whether it's this big thing or a small thing, I, I have I have this idea or this voice that pops into my head of, well, you don't want to do this by your works because we don't live by works. We live by faith and grace. And that's true. But since the enemy loves to twist things any way he can, that's been the holdup for me is, okay, I have this thing on my mind to do, but if I go out and hustle and make it happen because it's genuinely on my heart to do, well, then I'm just trying to do it by my work. So best not to do that. Just wait until something else happens to where it doesn't feel so workish. And for, for me, it was weird seeing how <clears throat> with the temptations in the wilderness for Jesus, the one, everything that came against him was, if you really are, then prove it. And he had to fight against that. Okay, I'm not doing this to prove my identity. And I would just see that and say, okay, well, I, I shouldn't do anything to try to prove my identity. And that's true. But then that got twisted into don't do anything that could prove your identity or act out of your identity because that could be construed as works or trying to prove what you already are. So that back and forth for me has held me up from a lot of stuff. What, where, where do you think that began the back and forth? Like, even before you learned that, where, where do you think that began the same a psychology podcast? I'm just curious to where you noticed that the very first time. So, cause it probably was even there prior to you even learning that principle. There's something that kind of keeps, uh, like, like for instance, growing up in, certain denominational lines, you can grow up with a false sense of humility. Well, we need to be humble. We need to be kind. Everyone needs to be kind. You can't do anything that's uh, too assertive or like there's little nuances that get blended into our way of thinking. And those are things that are tied to what's against your position. They're not intentional. They're not trying to be against your position. Sometimes they even think they're doing the right thing, but it's against your position. And they, those are some of the hardest mindsets to get rid of because it's so familiar. So where do you think that is a beginning point? So that 
in my case was rooted, and this is such a, a tricky thing, and I don't want to take up too much time on this, but you have to understand this from a, I don't know, maybe a more mature perspective because the enemy will take anything good and try to twist it, like try to twist the perception of it to make it bad for someone else or for, for someone else to hear it and misunderstand it. So it this battle for me actually originates from something very good and amazing. So growing up, my parents demonstrated faith all the time. We moved out to Minnesota from Pennsylvania, and my dad had this job and only the promise that our family wouldn't starve and we would be loved. And a ministry blossomed out of that. As I was growing up, I saw a lot of what we would call these bigger miracles. So my parents were given a car. I was given a car growing up. My parents were literally given a house when I was growing up. And so I saw all these big things that God just, it seemed that just dropped out of the sky. Like we needed a house and boom, God gave us a house. And they were all good things and all powerful things. And they were all godly things. And my parents were walking in faith and doing a lot with God. But somewhere along the way, that in the back of my mind got twisted into see working for stuff is kind of the opposite of how God wants to operate. He wants you to sit there until he drops a car or a house in your lap. And I, and I, I don't believe that. And I never really believed that at any point in my life, but it was so interesting to see somewhere in the back of my head, there was this little subliminal idea of less action equals more faith. And that's simply not the case. Now there, again, there's so much, to say on that to explain but that's that was the core of it um even to the point where people go the other direction too where well god the best help for you is the one at your own your own hand so you spend all your time laboring and even if god wanted to give it to you you wouldn't receive it because you didn't earn it there's a big difference between you are laboring at something and giving yourself fully to it and god is taking care of other things for you versus you're just waiting on him to do something and then you'll do something. I think, and it's also kind of tricky at times. I, and this would be a whole other episode, but when we, when we hear other people's testimonies to be really cliche, you're getting a tiny snippet of it and you're seeing the big highlights of it. I wasn't seeing all the background of what my parents were doing and what God was speaking to them through all those times. So all I saw in those moments was this big shiny thing that happens. And it's really easy to get the wrong impression either way. But again, that's, Which, that's maybe for another episode. No, but this is good. But this is why it's important that we don't demonize the Old Testament characters that we have, such as Samson, because we want to demonize all the problems they have, or we demonize things that David did. But you're not realizing these people were willing to step into arenas that no one else was willing to. And they had to walk through these things. And these were the areas that their life hit in. And rather than taking them as, yeah, maybe don't do that, but learn from it, but don't demonize the person as in flawed people. They are flawed people. We're all flawed people, but let's remove even flaws. There's areas you have to just grow in. We get to see someone who only had a glimpse of God, only had little fractures of light of who God was, and they pursued him 
with what their life was. We've been given a wholeness with God through Jesus, and yet we don't even come to a closeness of some of the things that the men of old did and the women of old did, and we have more. In Hebrews, it says they don't even have what we've been given. So the question comes, something's been lost in our development, in our training, in our training of mindsets, in our training of how to deal with opposing forces, in our training of how to deal with familiar ideas that are holding us down and how to actually, on a daily basis, break those and become stronger so we're ready to move into what is in front of us and we're ready to step into the expectations. So if we could bring our training to the level of our expectations, what could we do? That's kind of what I take away from that Navy SEAL. We fall to the level of our training. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. But what if our hope is up here and we bring our training all the way up to the point of meeting our training is meeting our expectations? We're training as if we're at that expectation. That's a mindset shift. It seems easy, but that is not because we won't see a value in doing it because we won't think I'm going to give all that effort. And what if it just doesn't pay off? I honestly, if anything has held me back in my life, I think it's exactly that. And I think like Tommy, I think in my life I've had like great ideas or great vision for stuff. But I think honestly, like it's been like when I have those ideas and visions, I know where I'm at right now wouldn't like succeed in that and so I think honestly sometimes it's like the fear of failure or like like I know I couldn't do it now and I miss the thought of like all the little tiny steps I could take to be getting there because I just have this big vision and it's so big that it's like a mountain that just can't be climbed right now and then so I think sometimes that holds me back or I mean I know it does like even right now because there's like the thought that like, if I commit to this and I don't succeed, then it's going to be worse than not committing at all and just staying where I am, if that makes sense. And so I think like what you're saying, Brian, I think that's spot on for me. And I th- agree with Tommy is like the visions there. It's just like the treat, the training or the little steps to take towards that, like can sometimes be lost because the ideas bigger than what I feel I'm capable of right now. And it, it's a very interesting dynamic. There's different types of people. Some people don't want to dream because they don't want to be disappointed. Some people can live in a dream, but never do any actions. They're just always dreaming. They almost get lost in the future that something better is just going to turn out, but there's no action in it. Then there's the one that has you that train and they have a dream. And I think that's the place, even in Jesus in the temptation, he had a dream. He had been given something, just like Joseph had been given a dream. This is what you're going to be. You're the savior of the world. Your name means savior of the world. Your name means these things. This is what you're going to be. Now he had to put action and living out. And it's interesting, a lot of the living out was dealing with the mindset before he ever even started ministry, before he started any ministry, he had to go deal with those three mindsets in the wilderness. The first one, if you are the son of God, turn the stone into bread. And he quotes, it is written, 
man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Next temptation, Satan comes. Now keep in mind, Satan is coming. We don't sit and have conversations with Satan. When Satan comes to you, you don't sit there and go, oh, hey, like, oh, hey, Bob, it's you again. What do you want? Well, you know, if you really are the son of God, you'd turn that stone to bread. Well, you know, I'm not supposed to do that because the Bible says we're not having conversations with Satan. So even in this process, you, you, we are learning, if, if we give ourselves to the training, you are learning to break apart what is your true thoughts, what are your training thoughts, and what are your outside thoughts. So as a Christian, you would say, what is God speaking to you? What are you speaking to you? And what is the outside force speaking to you? Satan. So then the next temptation, Satan comes. If you are the son of God, cast yourself down off the temple and I will and call your angels and they'll come and protect you. And he's quoting Psalm 90, Psalm 91, I believe, that the angels are given charge over you to protect you if your feet stumble. But it's interesting, Jesus was led up by Satan to the top of the mountain, to the top of the temple. How could he be led up there? Are we supposed to be following Satan? So did he go in the wilderness and said, okay, Satan, I'm yours, and he follows him around? No, he's battling these mindsets that he thinks he's doing the right thing at that moment, and he's being led around, and he has to deal with the reality. Wait a second, what are you asking me to do? And he quotes a scripture. And so it's, it's, I'm giving my view of this, but if you study in consistency with scripture of how God asks us to train and deal with strongholds in our life and deal with mental renewal in our life and how to, how to get the right thoughts, there's a similar process in this. First, it deals with what you personally need. Then it deals with your position in life. Who are you? Are you capable? Can you do this? Does God really care about you? Would God really have your back if you stepped out on something? There's that temptation. So we almost want him to prove it. That's the part that's the problem. And he said, no. Then the third temptation, Satan came to him and said, I will give you all these kingdoms of the world. This is in Luke. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds to Satan this time, get behind me, Satan. Because the vision Jesus had was the kingdoms of the world. He would take it by bringing his own kingdom. Satan wants to subs wanted to substitute that direction. You do it my way and I'll give them to you. Jesus said, no, I'm going to go do it the hard way and I'm going to take them myself. But now he says, get behind me, Satan. So now he's addressing the different thought processes going on. The first one, he's talking to himself. The second one, he's talking to himself. The third one, he addresses Satan, get out of here. He went through this resistance stage. And I'm only saying all that is the three different areas, his way of dealing with it. And it's important that we see Jesus had to walk through this process, being the son of God, yet also being a man. We have to deal with that as when we're born again, we're dealing with being a son of God and dealing with being a man. We're having to walk through these same processes of dividing those voices of knowing whose is whose and what's it really after and what's it trying to accomplish. Now, how does this come into dreams? The dream is the kingdom. Satan is trying to limit him from going up the hill. First, he internally does it. 
deals with himself, you're hungry. Then he goes to deal with external. Well, is God really for you if you face something? If you face a big problem, is God really for you? And then the third one is, bow to me and I'll give you the kingdom. So it's kind of dealing with all three of these, these areas that you had brought up with your mindset, the forces that are subject to your position, and the forces that are desiring your position. And how do we train that? And so let's, let's get into some examples of things that we face and how we could begin training our minds in this so that way when we are faced with those those heavy times or those times where you want to quit or those times where you need to move forward and you don't move forward how do we prepare our mind and i don't mean our mind just like being smart i'm talking about our insides how do we train that inner will the motions the mindsets to move forward in those things with god so here's what's important about that whole idea if it was important before Jesus ever stepped into the earthly ministry and the vision and the goals and the dreams that he had, he had to go face these three areas of his life internally in order to have the fortitude to go deal with what he was going to go face. It would, it would behoove us. I love that word behoove. It would behoove us to go and figure out how to go and create training to develop that in ourselves with God. So there's, there'll be personal things you need to do. There won't be a cookie cutter for this, but we need to be intentional about dealing with these mindsets so we can face anything that comes our way and we don't become victims and we don't become passive and we don't become jerks and we don't become type A and just walk over people and we don't bow to the wrong thing to get the thing that we're trying to 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 accomplish we do it in a manner that brings god glory his provision his strength but he, our participation in a powerful way in those arenas that's where we want to go to so I with think, that go ahead jason well i think one of the tricky things for a lot of people that is like you mentioned i don't want to be that type a who just walks over everyone but for a lot of people that I've talked to, that's the only other frame of reference they have as opposed to being the stepping doormat that just lets everyone walk over you and doesn't rock the boat, doesn't speak up, doesn't exercise genuine authority because it's either you just be loving and soft and gentle and tolerant or you're just that type A who just bulldozes everyone. And I don't think we, well, a lot of people have a clear picture of, oh, it's not just those two options. There's something other than that when it comes to walking in authority and training towards a goal to have an actual influential role in something that you're doing. Because that, by definition, requires you to exercise authority over something, which means there are things subject to your authority that you have to keep in check. But then what does that look like? Would you say it's harder to deal with ourselves Let, let's just step back why do we get passive because we don't want to deal with the issue we don't want to deal with the outcome we don't want to deal with it why do we become type a and just walk over people because we think 
they're in the way. So I think dealing with passivity is probably the bigger one that we should probably look at more is why don't we stand up and deal with problems? Is it because we don't want to deal with the outcome or we don't know how to deal with the outcome or we assume what the outcome is going to be? Or maybe if we stand up, that means I have to have an answer to the thing that I'm standing up for. Now I got to walk that thing out and I don't have the capacity to walk it out. So I'm not going to step into it. So it's easier to be passive and then I never have to be responsible. There's a lot of dynamics that can play into that passivity. But if you look back, if we go back to the Garden of Eden at the very two things, the very two areas that brought the culpability of on Eve and then passed on to her husband was, first of all, God's holding out on you. That was number one. Number two, did God really say that? So we're challenging his word. And then we're challenging whether he's holding out on us. And all of a sudden, an insecurity, an insecurity, an inferiority came into the heart. They were exposed to being insecure and being inferior. That is the breeding ground of all the rest, the malice, the envy, the strife. All of it came from those two ideas. So God, in being born again, was making you superior to the forces that are against you, not overly superior to him, not superior over people, superior to the forces that are against you, and secure in who you are to him. When those two elements are reinforced, those are really the two building blocks that come back together in the born-again experience. We don't really even talk about those things. But those are, the, those are the two things that were taken away. Those are the two things that have to come back together for all of this to deal with. So if you're walking in security and you're walking in, I don't mean superior, you're, you're as perfect as you were designed to be. You're, you're sub, you understand that word superior. Sometimes it thinks of like Superman, that you're better than other people. But you're better than the forces of darkness that are against you. You're superior to them. Even the disciples said, wow, we have authority over the demons. That's superior over them in who Jesus is. You're not superior over God. You're not superior. You're superior within the authority that you've been given. I'm trying to clarify all that because someone's going to say, wait a second, what are you saying? Because that's who you are. So when that is solid, you will make decisions and you don't care if other people's opinions are against you or for you at that moment. You're not trying to do something to hurt them, but you're not worried about whether they reject you or accept you because you're already accepted and you're not rejected. So you can move forward. You don't have to be a bull in a China closet. You can just walk forward and there is a kindness, there is a gentleness. And then sometimes there's a strength, sometimes there's a loudness but our biggest problem in passivity is feeling insecure or feeling inferior towards the situation that we're in. So if we deal with, we have that restored, how do we train that? How do you train being more secure? How do you train being more, more 
perfect in your role, superior to the enemy that's against you? How do you train that? So this is just my thought process that I've been going through while listening to what you're saying. And I, um, my starting point is kind of like where we mentioned earlier, like our training versus like our dream or our hope and how that has to raise to that standard to get to our dream. Basically those have to match at the same level. And I was just thinking about earlier how I said, like, I don't know if I can, like, is my training where it needs to be right now? And the question kind of came to my mind, like, like, what is the greatest dream in the history of humanity? Like, what is the highest level of a dream that has ever been? And what was the training that it took to get there? And I think from like the Christian perspective or from my perspective, like the greatest dream to me after the fall was the the dream that humanity or man would be restored to God. And so if that's the greatest dream that's ever been to restore the relationship between the father and man and the son, and that was the purpose of Jesus's life, like that was his dream of his life, then we can look at his life as the training leading up to that moment when he goes to the cross to fulfill that dream. And so basically it brought me to thinking about like, what's the moment before the cross, like that final moment before the dream. And I think it kind of answers my question of like, what is this training that I need to do my dream? And like when he's in the garden praying, he says, father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, let it be, let, nevertheless, let my will be not my will, but your wills be done. And he keeps on praying. That's like when he's like sweating blood and he has this, like, it says he has this angel come and strengthen him from heaven. But I think like in that moment, he was like reminded of the will of God and hearing he's, I mean, he's been hearing the father's voice all his life. Cause that's what he listens to. And I think like like everything leading up to the cross is listening to the father's voice. So I think like, what was it that gave him the ability to accomplish this dream? And I think it was listening to the father's voice. And that was like everything for his whole life leading up to that moment. And that dream happened. And because of that dream, now all the dreams of man, like any of our dreams that are like driven by God, we can accomplish by doing the same thing that Jesus did. And that's listening to the father's voice. I think that's kind of like my long process of thought um, for like, what is that? Obviously that's like huge in general, but I think that's key. And I think like that answers it for me personally. The people of the Old Testament heard the prophets and rejected the word of the father. So it's not even just about hearing. There has to be a corresponding action that ties to the hearing. Okay, one of the ways that I I started to understand that was actually an older example. When we were, um, Brian, you were doing this alpha course at a local church, it was like a decade ago. And you had told me to do some, I don't remember how you phrased it, but on one of the nights you said, I want you to do some spontaneous music and just sing over people tonight. And that 
there was two things that that triggered in me. One was um, that freaks me out because it's easy to pray for people and come up with stuff on the spot, at least for me. But to make up a song for someone on the spot is kind of that that just doesn't happen. But it also triggered something that in me that was awesome. This is what I've wanted to do for a while. And I remember in those moments that night, it it was one of the the fullest feelings of I am doing this with my father that I've ever experienced. And it was my voice, my body, my instrument, all those things. So it wasn't, okay, I'm going to sit here and then let God speak to those people's hearts. And I think we do that a lot. We, we don't train because we outsource the responsibility to God even. Like we've talked a lot about taking responsibility, not being a victim, not outsourcing our responsibility. But I do think we outsource it to God at times when he wants to do things with us. And we just think, well, God will work on their heart. God will speak to them when he's really saying, I need you to speak to them. And at least for me at times, that's been one of the reasons where I don't train because I expect God to speak to that person or to do this thing, or there's already this thing going on and God will work through that instead of understanding he has something for me to do and he's already put it in my heart and I need to do it with him. Because it's never your father saying, I'm going to go train at the gym and I want you to watch me. It's let's go to the gym and lift together. So let me bring those two pieces back back because we're kind of brainstorming a tactical idea that we could do. That's what I want to walk away with, with this podcast. So Caleb, you brought up a powerful point. The main thing is hearing what the father is seeing what he's doing and doing it. Jason, you brought out the training to do it with, and it's interesting as you're telling that story, I remember asking you to do that. And you're thinking about you like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do this music. Well, I already knew you could do the music. I was thinking about the person that you would be speaking to. And it's interesting, I wasn't concerned with whether you could or couldn't do it. I was concerned about the person that they would be more receptive in what you were doing. And I think God does that so much to us. So you're thinking, oh my gosh, do I have the capability? So we get so self-consumed and I'm guilty. I mean, I, this wasn't, but it's interesting as you're saying this, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it from a whole nother side. I had total confidence you could do this. I, I, I didn't even think this was... I just wanted your spirit to flow a little bit more, but it wasn't about ability and whether you could, or I'm, I'm asking you to go play the guitar over someone and you've never picked up an instrument before. I'm taking what you are and putting it into a different environment. And, but I'm thinking about the people and what it would do to them that we could have a prophetic idea that would just, they would never forget. Like, Anyway, I just saw that and it turned out that way. The impact of that was unbelievable in the stories that we got of how that impacted people's lives of you doing that. So that's how I was seeing it. So how much is God going? No, I've already given it to you. Okay, let me just step you and put putting you here because I need you to, you're the one who's going to impact these people. You're going to be my hands and feet for these people. So I'm going to put you there. And if God is speaking to us and we're like, okay, I got it. I, I don't know how I'm going to give myself. I'll, I'll train. I'm still going to give my best, but I know I, he's trusting me, but it's not about me anymore. That's the hardest part to get out of our head. 
it's not about you, but it's all about you because he trusts you. So it's not like I'm just going to use you, you, you rotten piece of thing to accomplish my, my job. It's no, I, I totally believe in you. So therefore I know you could do this, but now it's not about you in the asking. So I think many times, maybe when the father's asking us to do something, we do look at our insecure, we're looking at it through an insecure, inferior lens, even though we could have the ability and that is what's holding us up versus if we're secure and understood our position and we're positioned properly, we're secure, we're taken care of, and now we're venturing out. I think it would also determine how much more training we would do. We'd push ourselves into new environments. We would, we would do those things to enlarge ourselves for more influence. One of the key things is... I think like, because if we're talking about like, this is training for a dream, well, what do you do to train? You have to do it every day or at least on a consistent basis. You have to, you have to practice it. And I think like nobody starts benching 225 pounds. Everybody has to start. You have to start somewhere, whatever, what with whatever you can. And I think if you give like, even well, you think about like, like it's kind of a story we use a lot, but like if you think about the boy with the two fish and five loaves or whatever it is, he gave what he had. And I think if we do that in our lives, like if you wake up in the morning and say, God, what do I have today that you've given me that I can give back to you and trust you and like little steps that I can do? Like what is something that I haven't done before, God, that you want me to do to step out in faith too? like practice what I need to, to get where I'm going. Like, it could be like as simple as like you go shopping at Walmart and interact with one person you never would and see where like God leads that conversation. Like it doesn't even have to be with the intention of like presenting the gospel. Like how can you even just talk to people or what can you do every day that you normally wouldn't do, but it's going to require like a little bit of, trusting God or listening to his voice for like where you're walking. So I think starting off somewhere small, like it's not small because where it's going is big. So I don't even like saying that, but I think like starting off somewhere, just trusting God in something that doesn't seem significant to you, you'll look back and that'll be huge. That'll be bigger than what you're doing now. Like there's little, there's things I do now that I mean, a year ago, I would have been like, yeah, no way I will be doing that because of this, 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 I give all these reasons, but without even knowing it, there's been times where I take quote unquote, small steps. What at the time I was like, well, I'll at least do this because I know it's the right thing to do. And because I at least did that and had faith in that of like the integrity of doing it. Now it's like, that's actually a huge thing. And so I think like there's things that we may consider insignificant, but it's so big to where we could be going that if we knew how powerful the little things were, then I think it would, we'd be a lot more encouraged in doing them. With my job, when I first started out, there's like, there's all different kinds of videos you can make. And there's like 
a certain video that's very important to everybody that gets made after every event. It's just like the video recapping the event, but it's really important because it shows what happened that weekend. And like, everybody really loves that because you know, all the reasons anyways, when I started a year ago, I didn't really see myself making those videos and stuff. Um, like I would just do social media videos or short clips or other stuff. Um, but I still, chose to do those as creatively as I could into the best of my ability, like as if they really, really mattered, even though like technically in the big scheme of things, somebody looking from the outside would say they didn't, but I look back on those now and I'm like, those were huge. Even if nobody ever saw those little videos or anything like that, like the effort I put into them is what today I think gave me the opportunity, quote unquote, not that that's what matters, but like now gives me the ability to put the same amount of effort or like be more creative in the bigger videos that I'm doing now. But I think those were more important than the videos I'm doing now for myself, if that makes sense. Because like now, like kind of like in the whole video world, there's not really like another step up. So the steps I took then for my job is like, that really mattered. And so I guess I'm even now trying to figure out like, what are the steps I need to take right now? Like I did back then to take it to another level or like, because there's not really another level so per se to go to right now. But I think because of those, I have vision to like maybe try and do something new or, you know, do it. But that those little things have impacted how I do everything. And I think that's like something that was trained in my life at a young age with my dad. And I think, you know, it's the same voice thing as like listening to the voice of the father because I saw him do it and I would copy like his actions, like with his job, he made sure everything was done really well. He would do things on time, like put his effort into it, even like in our relationship, that's what he did. And so I think like seeing that and doing that with him, now I did it in my own job and now I, it's like moving on but I still need to keep on thinking about okay how can I do that again and repeat that process and I think it just gets bigger every time or it can be in other things in my life that I need to do it in so you, what you basically described is David sometimes when we want to make okay it was miraculous David killing Goliath but David killed a lion. David killed a bear. David had mastered hours with a sling. David had confidence. This was a new level, but he had built confidence in who God was with him during all of that time. And he did it and God did it with him. Back to your point, Jason. We don't, we skip the lion and bear story because no one would have cared about the lion and bear story. It only mattered when we had the Goliath story. We don't hear and really celebrate how much time G David playing music in Saul's court, his music brought, his music is what brought Saul, David into Saul's court. David in Saul's court learned the concept of kinging. He learned the protocols. He learned what was being done. He knew how to take care of the sheep, 
Now he had to learn how to interact with the people. And he saw all of that take place. He saw the pressure on the king. He learned so much about kingdom realities by playing music before the king. But what he was known for, the music is what got rid of the evil spirits that was tormenting Saul. Those were building blocks for him to actually run the kingdom. So important. And him learning how to dodge the spears when Saul would throw them at him and still keep playing. That attitude, how to keep a right heart, how to, how to deal with problems, how to put things into the right perspective and priority, because he did it with God. And so we, those are so important, but we don't, if you're going to be king, why do you need to know music? What's the point? Saul didn't know how to play music when he was picked. Solomon didn't know how to play music when he was picked. We don't even know Jesus. I'm sure he probably could have because he's God, right? So he probably knew how to play all the instruments. There's no record of Jesus playing instruments. But David, his instruments is what actually were critical to who he was. So my point, my point of that is, even in the training, like I think, Caleb, you brought up a really great example of doing things that just didn't matter necessarily to other people, but it is the thing that you became skilled at that when this opportunity opened that God was preparing for you, you could step right into it. And I'm wondering how many opportunities we don't get, not because God doesn't, hasn't, could still make it happen, but because we've not wanted to prepare on the things that didn't seem to matter. So when we hit that area, we don't even have a mindset of confidence to do what God's asking us to do. I feel like I've like stepped into that. That's why I am also like a little cautious right now, because I feel like I am not seeing what I'm necessarily supposed to be practicing in right now, if that makes sense, that I may be missing because it seems like I'm like just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But is there like an area that I'm not actively practicing in that I might be missing is why I like said earlier, like maybe I don't feel like as confident about the future right now, if that makes sense. Okay, let me ask you a question, because I think we've, in, in a way, in your personal stage, it could be, okay, I've taken on the bear. Mm -hmm. Am I prepared to take on the lion? Mm -hmm. So why don't we look at it in just smaller chunks of stages? In your stage of life, you've just beat a bear. Mm -hmm. What needs to be added that would help you take a lion. You see what I'm saying? Like, see, mm -hmm. it all starts mm -hmm. personal. That, that's why it's hard to measure because it's personal victories. It's benefiting some on the outside. I mean, the sheep benefited, the sheep, the owner of the sheep benefited because I'm killing the bear. There is benefit to every stage you go through. People's lives are affected. 
But now it's like, how do we build on that? So we take what we've learned, we take what we've grown in, and then we have to find some places of uncomfortability to step further with it. And usually they're relational. I mean, it's one thing to beat a bear by yourself and a lion by yourself, and you're dealing with that. Now you have a whole, when he deals with Goliath, it's way different. You have people surrounding you. You have people pulling you down, saying, you little arrogant kid. You have your own family pushing you down. Now he's dealing with mindsets that are way different. He's dealing with rejection. He's dealing with an insecure king that wants him to look like himself going out into battle. You're dealing with a, a, a warrior from birth that are, is terrifying the nation. You're dealing with now with mindset stuff. But to David, it was just a bear and a lion. How do you take what you are right now that everything you've done and is just a bear and a lion that you can step into new arenas that you're going to have deep criticism. You're going to have areas where people are not going to like your ideas, but you know you need to push them through. You're going to have areas that you're going to have to st step out that could make people against you in, in doing it. I don't even mean controversial things. We're not even talking about controversy. We're talking about just the moment you rise higher than what other people are around you, it causes a problem. People don't like it. It breaks the norm. So I'm not even talking about coming up with a controversial idea. I'm talking about breaking the mold of bringing yourself further, stepping into necessary arenas that are further than where you're at. But doesn't that, by definition, bring controversy? Because I look at David just showing up to the battlefield, there was controversy there. He's just bringing the cheese to his brothers. He ended up fighting Goliath. There was controversy there. And it wasn't because he was looking for it. It's just because he was stepping into it and he had to come to the place where he was okay being controversial. But he wasn't showing up saying, well, I'm here to do a controversial thing. Does that make sense? Because I feel like on one hand, we shouldn't be looking for the controversy. But at the same time, like all of our examples, when you do step into that arena, that next thing, it becomes controversial because there's all that pushback from people that don't want to see you there. Adding to that, the greatest controversy isn't even saying, saying or doing an opposite thing. It's actually doing the things that everybody wishes they would do, but haven't done it. That is the most greatest controversy. Yet, if you do it and win, it will inspire everyone else to stand up and do it. Here's a funny thing. They had already beaten the Philistines before this point. It wasn't like this was a new enemy. <laughs> but they bought into how they saw themselves. And um, again, the training of dealing with the insecurity and inferiority of yourself and those around you is the the most one of the most powerful trainings to deal with because you could pretty much handle anything if you could deal with that so one thing i went through on, on that exact note and it's maybe a small example for people but when i was in college and you know deep in the in my musical development i had some buddies that were going to a production recording uh school in town and so i'd spent some time at the studio with them and we were recording an album and I was doing some piano and guitar on it. And I was 
I'd gotten to the point where I could play in the studio with people and pretty much, you know, not make mistakes, do it flawlessly. And so we decided to, um, I guess, add a level of difficulty. So while I was tracking, they would try to distract me. They would, you know, say things to me or toss stuff at me. One time they were actually feeding me something and it kept doing that to the point where it, there wasn't something they could do to distract me because I had learned to just focus on what I was playing. There was a line they couldn't, you know, push me over because that's kind of cheating. But I, I learned later on that that developed this focus in me to where I, it doesn't matter what's going on in the room, what distraction happens, I can keep playing and I won't miss a beat. And we did that intentionally just for the fun of it to see how long I could go while all these distractions were happening around me. And it ended up actually having some real world dividends. Yeah, I guess for myself, what today I was just reading in a book and <clears throat> talked about thinking grow rich um, and how it never talked about action really in the book. And if you get your thinking right, that's a great first step, but you do need to take action. And that in today, you know, we have such a technology available and ready for us to use. And yet often we use it for destructive things. And I was just thinking of, you know, every time I have like a breakthrough in my life, it has to do with prayer. And when I get really focused on that, that's when like my breakthrough comes. And I was just thinking of like, we have all these habits and I, I keep talking about how I want to, have a better prayer life in my habit and focus more on that. And I was just thinking today with reading and thoughts came to my mind of like, I have an alarm that I wake up to every morning on my phone. And why don't I just make a bunch of alarms that say, remember to pray and give thanks. And so I set it um, 12 hours. So from 6am to 6pm at night, I, every hour on the hour, an alarm will go off and I, I did it today. And it just, for me, it interrupted a lot of my flow, but it also made my day go quicker. I was happier and I, I felt closer to God the whole time. And I know me and Brian were mentioned this earlier and he said, well, don't do that when you get married to remind yourself to tell your wife you love her. And I think it's a really good point, but you do need to instill the habits of doing this every day until it becomes just second nature to you. And like for that example too, with Brian, like I, I first time I told my fiance, I loved her. I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I like, I don't know, like I'm putting myself out there, but it becomes a part of you. And I, I think this is the same thing going forward is like, I'm like, God, this, this is kind of making me uncomfortable. I normally don't talk to you this much. I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, thanks and love you. And okay, <laughs> I, I did it. I'm going to turn off the alarm, but I'm hoping that, and I'm believing that this, this will be become the next breakthrough. And this will, this will instill with me for a lifetime of a habit of talking to God. And it to be being second nature instead of just thinking I need I need to pray more, and actually stepping out and doing it. And it's and it's for a season. It's this this isn't I'm not going to be setting alarms the rest of my life, but it's for the season. 
until it becomes about who I am. Yeah, I think for me personally, um, hopefully anybody who I work with isn't listening to this, but I think uh, since I feel like I killed the bear, I've definitely become a little relaxed and I used to show up to work, you know, five to 10 minutes early. Then, you know, I started, I'll show up on time, like just regular. And now I've gotten relaxed enough. Like it's like, oh, five minutes late, no big deal. And like 10 minutes. And, you know, if it gets worse than that, then that would be very unfortunate. So I think for me personally, I think I need to like get back into my routine of being like, I'll be the first one to be there. And it's like, even if I've like made it to where I want to be, I should still have the same standards as it started. So I think that's one thing that I've noticed, like me missing in the last month, I would say is there's definitely been a little bit of relax of like the intentionality of being the first one to show up. And I think that's just for me personally, that might not be for everybody, but I know um, that's a habit that I would, that I had, that I've definitely relaxed on. And I think, um, so when are you going to start doing that tomorrow, tomorrow morning, my alarm just got set. I love the tomorrow. I love the tomorrow plan, by the way, the tomorrow plan, if anybody's listening is the most successful plan you can ever do for anything. Cause you can always start tomorrow. What do, what do you want him to show up to jo- the office now? I'm, I'm joking. Go now I'm joking. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, yeah. I, I make fun because me and my wife have a joke like, you know what, tomorrow we're on this. And it's he like, going to sleep at the office tonight. No, I like it's it. like Homer I, Simpson. Where for, like, for all the uh, listeners, that's for, that's for Ka- Caleb is, is going to be going to work early tomorrow. But you know what? I love the reason. If it's just to please someone else, to look better, it's the reasonings behind it is to take your job from beating the bear to beating the lion. Yeah. Cause nobody's noticed that I uh, haven't quite showed up on time sometimes. And so it's definitely, I have to be very intentional and personally accountable about it because I don't think everybody else, it kind of runs on integrity. So I need to. Well, and to your integrous point, you work so many extra hours that are not even compensated. It's not like you don't give your heart to making this a better place. What you're talking about, though, is beating a lion. Yeah. And I think the only thing I would say is that reasoning has been in my head before. And the only dangerous thing of that, I will say, is that's what got to me to where I am today. Because I was trying to reason with myself, I can be a little bit more relaxed about something. And that could work for people, but for me, I know that's like a dangerous mindset because um, it like removes the edge that I have. So I think like that is a fair point, but I will say uh, like for me, that's dangerous because if I give myself an excuse for anything, then it's just a, a snowball that is really bad. So I think that's why I have to like, even the little things, the little details that nobody's ever going to know that I showed up at. 8:55 instead of 9:05 that affects my whole world so that's good all right we're going to wrap it up with that we appreciate you guys listening to these episodes here and i'm going to throw this out there if you guys um we've been talking a little bit behind the scenes and by we i mean mostly me but if any of our listeners would like us to at some point do a live podcast where we 
Um, you can send questions in, interact with us, ask, uh, or leave comments during the episode, and we could even do it on video. If that'd be interesting to you guys, just send us a message and let us know. I'm trying to convince the other three that it's a good idea. And if some of you guys leave a note, I think it would go a long way. But we appreciate you guys being here. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.